So I just want to review a little bit. Last week, um, Pastor shared um, an incredible message called The Crossover, and he took us through the story of when God had just delivered the people of Israel, God's people, um, from being um, enslaved under Egypt. And they come to a place, and they're in a place of wilderness, and, and there is dryness, and they didn't have water to drink, and in fact, the water there was bitter to drink. And they, uh, the place that they were in was called shore, was what pastor taught us. And, and this word shore meant wall. And God said, take your bitter situation, take the tree, and cast it into the water, and it will be made sweet. And what we learned from that was that when we take our bitter situations and we lay it down, we lay it down at the cross, then we can overcome. When we can overcome our situations, then we can cross over. And so fast forward, and this is about a generation later, and the children of Israel, they have grown up, and we're in a new generation, and the new leader for God's people at that time is Joshua. And Joshua, after 40 years of the people being in the wilderness, Joshua finally leads God's people um, out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And lo and behold, they come to another wall. And it's the wall of Jericho. And this is where I want to begin. And, um, and so there they are, the people of Israel. They're camping just right outside the Jordan River. And Jericho is in front of them. And they're camping. And um, there is this big man that approached Joshua. And Joshua is just spending time in the quiet. And he looks up. He sees this man. And he's glowing. And he's in full armor. And he is a soldier. And he has a shield on. And he has a sword there. And Joshua says, who are you? Are you for us or are you against us? And he says that I am the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua recognized that this was an angel of the Lord. And so he fell down on his face and he took off his shoes because he recognized at that point that it was holy ground. And he says, what is it that you want, Lord? And he says, he says you and the people of Israel, you will go and you will conquer Jericho. This place is for you, and I'm going to give you instructions, and this is what you shall do. And so I want to read from Joshua chapter 6, verse 5, if you can read it along with me. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets, and now shall come to pass when they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him." 
And I'm sure that whenever the people of Israel, whenever they, they crossed the Jordan River, I'm sure that they didn't expect to come to this wall. A lot of times, um, the walls that we face, they seem like that they come out of nowhere. They seem like they come when we least expect it. But there's nothing that happens without God's knowing. God has a plan. Just when we think that we have achieved it, when we think that we have overcame it, when we think that we have already made it, we have already gotten it together, you hit another wall or you face another battle. Maybe it's, you know, maybe, you know, you, um, you're, you're studying for a certification and you're hoping for that promotion and then all of a sudden you get let go. Or maybe it's, you know, last time I, I had a chance to share with all of you, you know, I finally built up this courage to rise up in my spirit and to move and to step forward and to, to pursue uh, my dream of starting this business. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, um, I, I came um, face to face with the city ordinance and the political leaders of the city. They wouldn't allow me to start my business, and I, I don't know what to do. So sometimes these walls that we face in our life, they could be setbacks, they could be inconveniences, they could be troubles or hindrances. It says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And maybe the people of Jericho, maybe they've heard for, for generations this, this mighty God, this all-powerful God that had done great and mighty things and miraculous things for the people of Israel. You know, and I'm sure that they knew that if God meant for Jericho to be for the people of Israel, that God can make it happen so that they were afraid and they shut up their walls. None came out and none came in. The enemy will sometimes shut things up for us. Things will stop coming. Things will stop flowing. Things are not working out and, and, and put up walls and put up hindrances to keep us from moving forward and to receive the blessings of God in our lives. These walls can sometimes be barriers. They could be barriers and walls that we even put up for ourselves because maybe things that we have been through, maybe it's, it's hurts, maybe it's experience, and sometimes we put up these walls for ourselves and it keeps us from experiencing the freedom that God wants us to have. This place called Jericho was a place that was very important to God. Of all the cities that... Um, that that was there in the land of Canaan, that was there in the promised land when they stepped into the land. Of all the places that was there, God wanted for the people of Israel to have Jericho. And Jericho was a prosperous land. It was an abundant land. It was, it was called the city of Oasis because there was a natural spring that flowed through uh, the city of Jericho. And there were lush palm trees growing everywhere. And people looked to the city. And in fact, there were, there were poor people and there, there were hungry people that would surround the gates of the city of Jericho, hoping to get a taste, hoping to get a little bit of provision to get some blessing for themselves. The distance around Jericho was 0.3 miles. It wasn't a big place. It was about 600 meters, so maybe about one and a half times around a running track. Um, but the walls were immense and they were high. They were um, between 13 to 28 feet at its highest point. 
And the place was fertile, and, and the name Jericho had actually meant fragrant, and it was a major trade center. It was a powerful place, but yet it was shut up, and, and, and apparently there was a double wall, a fortress surrounding the city, because the people there were trying to build up the walls to protect the wealth that is within. And sometimes your walls can be a battle for us to overcome. The walls of the battles that we face, the relative, you know, the, the city of Jericho, it may have been small, but the walls, they just seemed impossible. They seemed impossible to the people of Israel. And whenever we face the walls that are in front of us, you know, sometimes they just, they're so scary that, um, that we don't notice the people that's around us. All of a sudden, we, we, we forget the blessings. We forget where we have been. We, ha- we forget where, where God has taken us, what we have been through, and we lose sight of the vision that God has for us. And so when you see, when all you see is your wall and when all you see is your problem and the battle that you're facing or what you're going through, how can you see your victory? Because the matter, you know, matter of the fact is like we have to go through battle sometimes. It's all a part of life, you know, but nothing happens out of God's eyes. Nothing happens out of, out of God's control. And sometimes we just have to go through it because in order for us to face a victory, We're going to have to go through a battle. Sometimes we have no choice. We can't avoid it. We can't run away from it. And sometimes we just have to go through it if we're going to see our victory. And so I want to talk about how do you see your victory. And during these times when we just have to go through it, sometimes we hit these walls and we just have to be able to overcome it. How does God want us to go through these walls? And so the first thing is we need to follow. We need to follow God's instructions. And his instructions are his word. And God can speak to us um, through his written word, which is the Logos word. Or God can speak to us through his revealed word, his inspired word. Maybe he will speak to you and he will give you a promise that is personally for you. But how are you going to know his instructions? How are you going to know his word unless you spend time in his word? You need to be able to spend time in his word because that is who he is so that you can know who he is and what he has for you and the promises that he has for you and the instructions that he has for you. When you don't know where to go, when you don't even know how to move forward, ask and pray and ask for instructions because God is a God who is all-knowing. He is omniscient. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He, pl- he puts you into this world with already a purpose in mind. He wouldn't have brought you into this world if he didn't know that he had a purpose for you. He is all-knowing. He knew you from the beginning. He knows your, your end from your beginning. He is all-knowing and, and he is the God of all wisdom and he will give you divine strategy if you ask him. So God gave the people of Israel very specific instructions, and he gave the people of Israel strategy for military formation. And this is what God said. He says, you would take the men of war, you would take the warriors, the one who are meant to fight, you would put them first, okay? You would put the men of war first, and then you will call for the seven priests blowing the seven trumpets. They will follow behind them. And then the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the law of God, which represented the presence of God, will follow behind. And then the people of Israel, and then the rear, rear guard will follow behind, protecting 
those soldiers. And so God had a strategic plan, and he says, you are to march around the walls of Jericho once for six days. And during these six days, you will go march around the walls of Jericho. You will do it in silence. You will not speak. You will not um, let out a peep. You will do it in silence, and you will just march, and the priests will blow the trumpets. And you would do this for six days. And on the seventh day, and the number seven represents um, the perfection, spiritual perfection. It represents God's timing. And on the seventh day, you will march around the city seven times, not once, but seven times. And at the sound of the trumpet, you will shout with a great shout. And the walls will fall down flat. Then the people shall take charge and conquer the land. God is a God of order. And he has a reason for every word and every instruction. And sometimes we will understand his instructions. Sometimes it won't be clear. Sometimes it won't make sense. We're not going to see the whole picture. We just have to trust him and follow. We just have to take that step, and then God will show us the next step. And, and then we take that next step, and God will show us the next step. Can you continue to trust God? Can you continue to follow his instructions? Even when you don't understand, God is looking for your obedience. And he is looking um, for you to follow his instructions, even when it doesn't all make sense. And he says to go around the walls of Jericho. He could have just told the soldiers to just kind of, you know, go up to the front lines of Jericho and maybe pace back and forth, maybe go left and maybe go right. But God says to go around. A lot of times we don't want to go around things, you know. Um, a lot of times we're, we, um, we want to take the, the easy way out. We want to be able to take shortcuts. Um, you know, when God asks us, us to do something, you know, we say, God, isn't there an easier way? You know, can't I just text the person? I mean, you know, can't I, you know, can't I just um, send a message on Facebook? You know, why do I have to do this? Or why do I have to do that? Can't I just do it my way because it's easier? It won't feel as awkward. It won't feel as unusual, you know, but maybe we can get the same kind of outcome. But God's looking for our obedience to follow his instructions. And a lot of times what God is asking us to do is not going to be easy because it's going to require some faith. And, and oftentimes the hardest decision, the hardest thing, even if it's the smallest thing, if it, even if it seems like the simplest thing, you know, where, where it just kind of takes um, all, all of us, it kind of takes um, for you to, to show your vulnerability, oftentimes the hardest thing that he wants for you to do is usually the right thing that he wants for you to do. Because in reality, if we can figure it all out ourselves, if we can do it our own way, then we wouldn't need him. And he says to march. He says to march around the city for, um, for six days. Okay, and he says to march, and he could have said to just go around the city. He could have just said run around the city, skip or hop around the city, but he says to march. You know, not our brother March here. He's, he's great, he's strong, he's awesome, but he says to march. And many of you know that marching is actually a basic military training for soldiers um, because it has been known for, for thousands of years that, that marching actually helps to, uh, to increase um, um, to increase confidence and to produce inner strength so that whatever 
the soldiers are facing whatever seems scared, whatever seems big. Um, during a time of marching, all of a sudden, whatever is big starts to become small, and they feel like they can overcome. And it is, it is a form of discipline for the soldiers to prepare them for battle. And when the soldiers are marching, they have to be attentive. They have to um, be in line so that they, um, they know who's in charge and they know who's leading them. They have to be very in tune to be able to hear the voice of their commander so that they know what direction to go, when to take that step and when to turn right or when to turn left. And whenever the soldiers are marching, there is a rhythm there is a cadence that they follow and, and um, is usually um, guided by a count. And so they march. They march with a rhythm. And, you know, if, um, if you talk to people that have had military training, and I, I asked Vido, a sister here in the church, and, and she, used to, um, she used to serve in the military. And she actually said that one of her favorite things um, in the military was actually marching because she said that it made her feel like she was a part of something bigger, to be a part of a unit, to be, to be one, and to be able to serve a mission um, with a purpose. And that she, this marching that she does, it just makes her feel like she's stronger. And so um, the soldiers would tell you that. Um, in Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. And this, this word walk actually means to march. So I think that's pretty interesting. Let us, let us not only live in the spirit. Yes, as children, we have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us, but it's not just enough to just live in the Holy Spirit. But God is saying here that we need to walk in the Holy Spirit. In the New Living Translation, I like this version. It says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so it's not living um, according to the desires of our flesh, but it's, it's, it's according to the character of God and being empowered by his Holy Spirit. We need to be able to have a time of silence before the Lord. A time of silence before the Lord. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 7 through 8, it says that there is a time to keep silent, a time to speak, a time of war, and a time of peace. A time to keep silent. So sometimes we just have to learn to be still before the Lord. We just have to be silent. And we're going through our battles. And we just have to go through it. But we have to be still. We have to be silent before the Lord so that we can just be. Be with him and to be able to hear from him. God instructed the people of Israel to march around Jericho for six days in silence. Can you imagine um, the, the, the people of Israel, thousands of people and the soldiers, and they're there, and, and all you can hear is, is the cadence, the rhythm of the strides of their arms rubbing against their uniforms, and all you can hear is, is the blow of the trumpets, and they're just marching, marching in complete silence. We need a time of silence, and, he, and the, the people were to do it for six days, and this number six represents man. 
God had created the world um, in five days, and in six days, he created man and his image and his likeness, and on the seventh day, he rested, and he saw that all he, that he had made, and it said that it was all good, but on the sixth day, he created man, and, and this number six also represents the weakness of man, and so when we, we are silent before the Lord, we have to decrease ourselves. We have to, it's kind of like a kid sitting in time out and they have to be still and they have, to, you know, they can't move. They're just itching to move and they want to talk and they want to play, but they have to be still. They have to be silent so that they can recognize where they're at and who's in charge and what they've done. And whenever we're silent and we're still before the Lord, it just, we have to be able to decrease on our faith. We have to decrease so that God can increase. And it says, the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And a lot of times being silent is just holding your peace. And, you know, we want to be able to complain. We want to be able to cry out. You know, we want to say, why, God, this is injustice? Why is this happening to me? Lord, this is not fair. God, I am entitled to this. This blessing is mine. But sometimes we just have to wait. We have to be silent. The Lord shall fight for you. Just hold your peace. Amen. We need to be silent before the Lord. Um, very recently, I was going through a battle with sleeping, and some of you have heard this before, and um, it's crazy, you know, because of the battles we face, but I was going through a time, and I was battling with my sleep, and I love my sleep. I like getting enough rest, and, you know, I know some mothers will say that, you know, there's chronic sleep deprivations once you have kids, so enjoy it now, um, but I was battling with my sleep, and it never happened to me before, but I went on for days, and then I went on for weeks, and then and I went to months where my sleep was just all out of order. And it was just so frustrating. And I did not know what was happening to me. And then my health was just kind of spiraling out of control to where I had to make up my mind. I had to resolve that I needed to make some lifestyle changes. And so the moment, the moment that I had decided that I wasn't going to fight this sleep anymore, because um, I was frustrated. I, I would cry out to God. I said, God, why is this happening to me? I have so much that I need to do. Why am I not sleeping? But the moment that I decided to not fight that and be frustrated with that and accept it and say, God, okay, if I'm battling with my sleep, okay, I know that you're with me. I know that maybe you're trying to show me something. I know that maybe you're trying to teach me something. Okay, let me just embrace this time. But God, you're going to restore my sleep. But right now, I'm going to trust in you. But it was during those sleepless nights. It was during those sleepless nights where it was silent, where it was still. And all I can hear was my husband's breathing. And all I can, all I can hear was the ticking of the clock that I heard God speak the loudest to me during those quiet hours. So I appreciate the times of silence that we have with the Lord. We need to be able to praise God through our battles. In Joshua 6, 5, it says, It shall come to pass when they make a long blast of the ram's horn. And this long blast is the sound of praise. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet and all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat. Back in the Old Testament or, you know, in the book of um, Exodus, 
we, we hear of uh, the shofar, or the, the horn that they would blow. And when they blow this horn, the presence of God will come in and God will move in the place. And so it ushers in the presence of God. And God instructed the people of Israel um, to overcome the walls of Jericho, that they, they were to send out seven priests blowing seven trumpets. Okay, And the sound of the trumpet is a sound that symbolizes the sound of praise. And it said that the praise would go before the ark. The, the praise would go first. The sound of the trumpets would go first. The sound of praise would go first. And then the ark, which represented the presence of God, would follow behind. In Psalms 22, verse 3, it says God inhabits the praises. God encompasses. God's presence is there. And he sits enthroned in the praises of his people. So whenever we lift up our praise and we stir up an atmosphere of praise, we invite the presence of God to come down. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm going through something, whenever it's difficult, whenever I'm going through a battle, I want God to be enthroned in my situation. I want for God to come in and move things for me because many times in the Bible, we hear in the stories that whenever there is a move of God, there's always a sound that precedes, that comes before the move of God. And so my brothers and sisters, if you have any will in you to fight, if you have any fight in you, praise God through your battles. Praise is your spiritual weapon. Is, is because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we, we fight against principalities. We, we fight against the forces of evil in the spiritual realm. In Psalms 47, verse 1, it says, Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. We need to be able to shout. Why shout? Doesn't it sound kind of um, rude to shout to God? But we need to be able to shout because his shouting is a shout of victory. The shout is a battle cry. Joshua 6.10, it says, Now Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed from your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout then you will shout. To shout is to follow through with your faith. To shout is to be steadfast, to be firm in your faith. It is to persevere. It is to not give up. And oftentimes the battle is the hardest right before the victory. Oftentimes when you feel like all hell is breaking loose, it's because your victory is around the corner. And you need to be able to shout for your victory. It's kind of like when you're a runner and you're running your race and you're at a place where they call it the home stretch and you're running your race and you might be fatigued for all get out. Your, your, your muscles may feel like they're about to give out. You may feel like you're about to pass out, but you can see the finish line right there. And you said, if I can only go a little bit more, if I can only go a little bit longer, I can, I can smell the victory. I can hear the crowds cheering for me. It is pressing through. Jesus Christ on the cross, the moment before he breathed his last, the, the moment before the victory came, the victory that he would have overcome for us all, the victory over sin and the victory over death, the victory that we have in Jesus at the very moment before he breathed his last, he shouted a great shout and then the victory came. 
Believe it or not, I used to take karate in high school, and I'm really girly now, and so you probably don't think that I ever took karate, but when I took karate, I had to take tests to be able to rank up in my belt, and every time I would test, I'd have to break, um, I had to uh, go through some forms, like I was marching, but I also had to break wood. And it was the thing that I dreaded the most. And um, it used to be easy where they give us um, like a piece of thin wood and they just tell us to chop it. And, you know, but then it got harder. They would, they, they would give us bigger pieces of wood and they, um, they would double it up. And initially we'd have to, to punch it and then eventually we had to, to kick it and then we had to jump kick it. You know, but the thing that our master told us to do is that whenever um, we are giving our force, whenever we are striking through, that we had to key up. And key up is, a, I took Taekwondo and it's a Korean terminology, but to key up is to be able to shout with a great shout because when you do, you're giving all of your might, you're giving all of your force, you're following through. And so to shout is to follow through, to shout a shout of praise, to shout a shout of victory in your faith. We have to be able to see and have faith. In Joshua 6, verse 2, it says, See, I have given you Jericho into your hand, as king and the mighty men of valor. It didn't say, See, I will give you Jericho if you do this and this and that. If you're, if you're strong enough, if you do exactly what I say, um, it says that I have given you. It is past tense. In Joshua 6, verse 5, it says, It shall come to pass that the walls will come down flat and you will be able to take charge and move forward and conquer your land. The Lord was saying that I have already given you Jericho, this land that is abundance, this land that I want for you to have, it is already yours. But will you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you let me fight your battles for me? To see is to be able to have faith. In Hebrews 11.30, it says, it was by faith that the walls of Jericho fell down and they were com- when, after they were compassed for seven days by faith. It wasn't by the, the shout of their voice. It wasn't by the weapons. It wasn't by um, the mighty sound of the horn, but it was by the faith that the walls were coming down. It wasn't, what, it wasn't because of what they see, because they couldn't see what was ahead. They didn't know what was beyond the walls. Faith is the substance of things that we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. It's like, it's like a kid putting on glasses for the first time, and, and they didn't know what they were missing. They thought that they saw everything clearly until they put on glasses with the right prescription, and they were able to see It is to be able to have vision. This place of Jericho was a place that meant a lot for Jesus. And Jesus often passed by through Jericho. And Jesus performed miracles around Jericho. And this one miracle that he did was he healed the blind man named Barnabas right at Jericho. And Jesus was passing through, and he knew that Jesus was coming through there. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus came to him, and he says, what is it that you want? And he says, I want to be able to see. And he said, he said your faith has made you well. Your faith has given you sight. 
So Jericho meant a lot to Jesus, that he healed this blind man at Jericho, that it was significant to Jesus that this man would be able to see again. And so to see is to see things with a different perspective. It's to see not with our eyes. It's not to see with our perspective, but it's to see through the lens of God. It is to see with spiritual eyes. Our situation may not be ideal. It may not be what we expect. But whatever it is that you have, if you give it to him, he can turn it around. If there is no way, he can make a way for you. If If all you're saying, Lord, I just have this tree, God says, take the tree and throw it into the water and it will be made sweet. If you'll let him do it, if, if, if you will see what God will do. And if all you have is the five loaves and the two bread, if you give it to the Lord and you trust him, you see what he will do. He will multiply. He will make it into 5,000 to be able to feed his people. Or if you have just water, he can turn it around and make it into wine. It is to have a different perspective. Seeing is... uh, Um, What you believe is a direct correlation of what you see. It's not seeing is believing, but it's believing is what you see. Um, Recently, I uh, was working with this patient, and um, he had just gotten out of the hospital um, with pneumonia, and he came home, and he just started declining, and his wife didn't know why, and um, he just kept falling to the point where he just stayed in bed, and he just wanted to waste away. He didn't want to eat. He didn't want to even get up and get dressed. He would just lay in bed naked, and and I would call, and I said, I need to come over, and I need to see you with your husband, work with him. And she says, no, you can't come over. I don't think he wants to see you. He can't do anything for you anyways. He doesn't want to get out of bed. So I kept bothering bothering them and bothering them. And I knew that I had to get there. If I can just get them to open the door, if I can just peek my head and if I can just call his name, that maybe I can help this man. And so I came there and I was able to get in. She's like, good luck. You know, I don't think he's going to do anything for you. And so I came in and I saw this man and he was laying there in the bed, and I just started talking to him. I say, hi, sir, my name is Marianne. I'm an occupational therapist. I want to help you. I, I want to help you get out of this bed. I want to help you get stronger, but you, you need to get up. You need to be able to do something. You need to be able to rise up and get up for me. And I, so I just started talking. You know, I said, you know, I went to the University of Houston, and I'm Vietnamese, and my parents were refugees, and they came over by boat, and my dad used to serve in the Vietnam War, and I don't know what I was saying. I was just talking to him, but all of a sudden his eyes started lighting up. It was the strangest thing, and he started to sit up, and then he started to stand up, and he started taking steps, and I wasn't doing anything, but all I was doing, and it was the love of God, and it was the presence of God, and it was God doing something, and, and then his wife was shocked. He's like, I, didn't, I was shocked. I didn't know he would do anything for you. And so, um, so by the end of the session, he, uh, he actually looked at me in tears. He says, he says, I used to serve in the Vietnam War. I was, I was a soldier, and I saw terrible things you wouldn't believe. And I just hated the Vietnamese people. But he says, I see things differently now. You know, he says, thank you for helping me. And so a week later, his wife was like, I don't know what you did, but my husband has had a complete turnaround. I mean, he just starts walking out of his room. He's going down the street in his scooter. And I'm like, 
okay, God. We, he had a different perspective. You know, God opened his eyes, and it was the love of God that changed him. Most importantly, most importantly, let God fight your battles. In First Chronicles 20, verse 15, it says, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it is God's. And I love how it reads in the message translation. It says, you won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm, Judah and Jerusalem, and watch God's saving work for you take shape. Don't be afraid. Don't waver. Just keep going. Just keep marching boldly tomorrow because God is with you. It is so reassuring that we don't we don't have to um, we don't have to fight. We don't have to um, throw all of our effort out. We don't have to lift a hand. We don't have to strike against our enemy. All that we need to do is stand firm. And it is God who does the fighting for us. It is God who fights our battles for us. And when God gave the instructions to send out the armed men, the warriors, they are the ones who, are, who were called to fight. They were the ones who were meant to protect, you know, not the priests. The priests aren't there to fight. The priests don't fight. You know, the priests were to worship. And in Christ, we are royal priesthoods. God says we are royal priesthoods. We are just made to worship him. We are made to follow him. But God said, send the armies, send, send the armed men out first. You know, and that reminds me and it made me realize that God sends his armies, angels, out to protect us. There's a song by Chris Tomlin. It says, whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I love that song. We are on God's army. We are on the Lord's army. And if God is for us, who shall be against us? Even though our victory may may not be what we, we expect it to be, it may not be what we think that it will be. It may not turn out the way that we expected, but the victory is from within. It is that reassurance knowing that God is in control, that no matter what, you know, God has our best interests in mind. And his plans are higher than our plans. His ways are greater than our ways. Victory is knowing that God's got you, but we have to be able to wave our flag of surrender so that God can wave over us his banner of victory for us. This place called Jericho represents your place of blessing. It is, it is a place of abundance. God wants to give you the abundance of your grace. The people of Jericho could have just said, God, isn't enough? We already crossed over the Jordan River. You've already shown us some pretty awesome things. I mean, you split the water for us. We're cool right here. The land is good. The Jordan River is nice and refreshing. You know, we can just camp out here. But God wanted for them to have Jericho. God wanted for them to have abundance the riches of his grace. God wanted for them to have so much more and for the walls to go down so that they could inherit that. He wants to break down the walls that block you from moving forward in the will of God, the ones that keep you from receiving your blessing. 
And at the end of the story, God promised to curse anyone who tries to build up these walls. So the people of Jericho, they, they build up these walls to protect their wealth, but God doesn't want for us to build up our lives based on the riches of this world, but he wants us to build up our lives based on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He wants to fight your battles for you so that you can live a life of victory and not a life being a victim. Are there walls that are keeping you from moving forward? May, whether it's physical walls, whether there are things that are happening in the physical that's keeping you from moving forward, keeping you from achieving your dreams and your visions, or maybe there are emotional walls. Maybe you've been hurt, or maybe it's forgiveness, or you know, or you just kind of build up these walls to protect yourself. Or maybe they're mental blockages because a lot of times the battles and our thoughts and the battles is in our mind and, and we just can't get over our thoughts. God wants to free you from that. I want to close with um, another story that... Um, some of you may heard it, but when I was in Vietnam, I had to travel to Vietnam uh, when my mother passed away, and it was sudden, and it was very tragic, and I had to travel to Vietnam um, by myself, and um, when I was there, I was in a foreign land. I didn't know the people, and um, there were these religious people that were um, planning my mother's uh, funeral ceremony. And I was just out of my element. I was very, very uncomfortable. My aunt, who's my godmother from Seattle, she flew in to support me, but I felt so alone in my battle. And I was so exhausted and I was tired and I was mourning at the same time. And, and there were these um, religious leaders at there and they were doing this um, this this um, this voodoo kind of service, so to speak, because um, they, they were trying to free uh, my mother's spirit. But what they were doing is they were getting me to carry all of my mom's belongings. And, um, and they would get everybody else in the village to do it, and it wouldn't work. And they said, no, you, you're the daughter. You need to come and be a part of this ritual, to be a part of this service. And so they gave me all of my mom's belongings, and they're lighting incense, and they're lighting fire, and they're chanting, and they're waving their arms. And, and I, it was, I was so weak, and I, you know, I just, I, I let them do what they did, and I knew I was praying in the spirit. I knew I was praying. Physically, I was so tired, but I was praying in the spirit, and I just knew that right before, right before I knew that something was going to happen, and they were doing this um, in the streets of a remote village, but right before that they were about to do something, the phone rang from a house in that village, just down the street, and somebody came running out, and they said, Marianne, Marianne, you need to get up, you need to come here, because there's a phone call from the United States, and so I snapped out of it, I ran, and, and, and I couldn't believe that the phone call was somebody from the United States, and it just so happened to be my mother's best friend who delivered me out of that situation that I was in. And so the reason why I share that is, is that God is so good that he will not let you be tempted beyond that you can bear. Whenever you are tempted, he will always provide a way out for us. You know, whether if it's your insecurities, he will provide a way out. If it is your fear, it will provide a way out. If, if it is your failures, 
He will provide a way out for us. He gives us victory through Jesus Christ. So whenever we are facing a wall, whenever we, we see our battles, you know, how do you see your victory? How do you see your victory? Is just look at Jesus. Turn your, turn your head to Jesus. Turn to Jesus because he is your victory. If you need to see victory in your situation, Jesus Christ, he is your victory. He will provide a way out for us. And so um, let us pray. Um, I just want to close out. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you, Father God, that when you died upon that cross, Lord, that you have already given us victory. Father God, I thank you, Jesus, that when you took that last breath on that cross and you shouted with a great shout that you have already given us victory. God, I thank you that we have victory in you, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that that is enough, Lord. I thank you, Father. I pray that whenever we're going through these times, whenever we face our walls and whenever we face our battles, Father God, help us, Lord. Help us to be able to follow your instructions. Help us to keep going, Father God, whenever it's difficult, to keep marching, to keep in line with your Holy Spirit, to not give up, to keep praising you, Father God. Help us to praise you through our battle, Father God, and to shout with a shout of victory, Lord. We thank you that you are our Jehovah Nisi, Father God. You are our banner, Father God, that you are our God of hosts, Father God, that you send out angel armies before us. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through it alone. God, that you are with us. You said to be a strong and to be of good courage and you would be with us wherever we go. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to fight. We thank you, Lord, that you fight our battles for us. We thank you, God, that, that you are on our side. Lord, that we are on your, we're on the Lord's army. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.